Hello and welcome back to the From Montana to Portugal podcast. My name is Janelle Holden and this podcast is all about moving abroad, experiences that other people have shared with me as well as our current journey from Montana to Portugal, which is almost 5,000 miles. I learned this week when I did a Google search of how long it was between or how far it is between our former home in Valir, Montana to our new home, which will be somewhere in Portugal. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Today is a very special episode because I am outside. I'm not using my normal mic because I can't find the little dongle piece that fits into the computer to make the mic run. So hopefully the sound is excellent. You may hear some birds in the background. You might hear some breezes and some insects. You might even hear my dog, although he's pretty much camped out underneath the tree here, waiting for me to finish up with this podcast and give him a treat. He's looking over and saying, hello. And his name is Loki. He's traveled with us as well as our cat mystery. And currently getting them to Portugal is a much bigger deal than getting us to Portugal. So I'll catch you up here real quick. We sold our house on let's see here, September 24th, I think is the day that we closed. We had spent over a year working on trying to get it closed and trying to get it sold. So it was quite a journey. We decided to move to Portugal in July of 2022. And we'd been talking about it and researching it for probably three or four years before that. So it was not a spur of the moment decision. <clears throat> excuse me, it was a decision that was made from the heart and we were excited about it. And obviously we were committed to it because we did not give up and we we're not giving up. And we, it's taken us quite a long time to gather all of the materials we need for a long-term visa anyway. So actually I'm really glad that we had that amount of time and we had more time with my family, my parents in Northern Montana. So that's good too. And yeah, it's just been an amazing time. I'll, I'll share with you where we're at in the process for the visa and the kind of visas that we're looking at getting. So in Portugal, they have allowed people like us. My husband is retired and I work online. I am a business developer, a freelance business developer, and I work for a few clients helping them grow their businesses online. And I have this wonderful thing going on Substack. I, uh, my prior life, I was a writer and a journalist. And so this is a continuation of that documenting this journey. And I'm so appreciating everything that Substack offers to document the journey and to share with listeners and with readers exactly what's happening. So uh, back to the visas. So when you apply for a long-term visa, you need to apply from the United States. So you can't be in Portugal when you apply. And you can go to Portugal without a visa as a tourist, obviously, for up to 90 days. But after 90 days, you definitely need to have all your paperwork in order. And you need to be in the United States to go to a Portuguese consulate to process the initial paperwork. And then you have another interview when you get to Portugal to confirm that you can live there for the next two years. And then after two years, you can get it renewed 
And then after that, you may be eligible for permanent residency or citizenship. So our plan is to stay for at least two years, maybe longer, and explore Portugal and hopefully explore some more of Europe and get to see things that we haven't seen before in our lifetimes, which is really exciting. And to do that, we sold our house and all, almost all of our personal possessions. We still have our van and we still have the things that are in the van. <laughs> but uh, other than that, there's a few minor things that we left behind in Montana with friends and family. And they are so kind to keep it for us. There are probably some of them listening to this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, more pictures and memorabilia and paperwork that I couldn't part with more than any other thing. There's no large things. I think the largest thing that we have in storage which we're actually trying to sell still is Doug's guitar amp and then maybe our cross-country skis, which I basically kept in case we came back to Montana and I wanted to do some skiing while we were there. So uh, yeah, we sold everything and that gave us the financial resources um, to officially go as well as the freedom to not have to worry about our house or try to rent it out or something like that. So that's fabulous. Um, the requirements for visas include having a bank account that is funded with a year's worth of uh, money that would be equivalent to the Portuguese minimum wage. So I think what that comes out to in dollars right now, if you're listening to this later, you'll need to do the European exchange rate is somewhere around uh, for two people, 12 to 13,000. And so you've got to have that in the bank account. You've got to have a long-term lease secured. And we are in the process of working on that, which I'll share a little bit more about how that's working out in a minute. And then you've got to have a Portuguese NIF, which is the, uh, that, that is the equivalent of having a social security number. So we did that actually from the U.S. with the help of a company called Relocate to Portugal, which is fabulous. They are super busy. I highly recommend them. And I'm going to do a podcast with them once we get to Portugal because I, I just love them so much. They have been fabulous to work with and with us every step of the way for over a year, which is pretty amazing patience. So they helped us get that. They helped us get a bank account set up in Portugal without actually going to Portugal. You can go to Portugal, obviously, and get both of those things set up for yourself. But because we canceled our uh, scouting trip that we had planned last fall because our house was on the market and we had an offer on the table at the time, we didn't want to leave and come back to having to pack and everything really hurriedly, which we ended up having to do anyway. But Long story short is we didn't go then and we had help in Portugal helping us get it all situated. So we have those things in place. Um, we have our bank account funded and we need to get a lease. We have to have reference letters. We need to have a statement of why we are going to Portugal, which if you listen to my very first podcast, probably has changed a little bit. It's not much, but uh, we're very interested in the Portuguese language and the Portuguese culture. I have we have both been taking lessons with some very patient instructors in Lisbon <laughs> and also using apps and whatever we can. I will say my Portuguese language lessons have fallen off a little bit since 
this last couple of months with the move and having our house under contract, it was just crazy trying to get everything done in time before we left. So I'm picking that up. Our next lesson, live lesson, which is offered as well to my paid subscribers. Uh, it's a small group of us who want to learn Portuguese, but if you're interested in that, it's less than a cup of coffee per month. You can join us for a couple of live classes a month. The next one will be in October 12th with our tutor, Marta Cancela, who owns a, she's a publisher, she's an editor, she's a copywriter, and she is fluent in many languages. Obviously, Portuguese is her first language. She's fluent in English as well as French, and then she's... Um, I guess one would call more than competent in other languages as well. So she's a, an incredible resource and has become a good friend. And I really appreciate her. If you want to listen to her podcast, it's really fun. It's the podcast with Marta Cancela. It's a few weeks ago. So take a listen to that. And if you want to join us, um, feel free to go to my substack, janelleholden.substack.com to become a paid subscriber and get access to that. So as my one commercial there, just letting you know that's available. Back to visa requirements. So you don't have to know Portuguese to get in to get a visa. I'm doing that on my own, but you do need to express some interest in the Portuguese language and culture and not just be going for reasons like it's cheap or, you know, the weather's great or something like that. I think those types of reasons in general, although they are part of our considerations, our financial considerations and our love of nicer weather in the winter, even though they are part of our considerations, they're not the top reasons. And we're really excited about learning more about Portugal and its language and its culture. And it's interesting. I just want to say as an aside, time out for a second. I just got a strong whiff of smoke. Um, smells like campfire smoke that may have come from a prescribed burn that was happening when we drove into the region. So we're in the four corners of Colorado right now. We drove about a thousand miles after we closed on our house. We stopped in Salt Lake City and saw Doug's good friends and a friend of mine from high school, which was such a treat. And then we drove down here and it's been absolutely gorgeous. It rained yesterday so I'm kind of surprised to smell some fire smells. And there is snow on the mountains. So on the La Platas that I'm looking at right now is beautiful snow line and gorgeous green trees. It is the high desert. So we're over 7,000 feet here. And I have needed a lot of water because of that. When you go into a higher elevation, it is a little bit harder on your body to adjust and recover. So water is one of the first things that people tell you, drink a lot, a lot of water. And since you're in the desert, it's easy to get de dehydrated here as well. So I'm drinking a ton of water, been sleeping a little bit more. And one of the things that I am loving in the 10 days since we left, it's made a huge difference in my mental outlook is not watching any television. So well, I wouldn't say any. We watch the Patriots play Doug's from New England. And of course, we watch um, we watch that game on Sundays usually. So we've been able to see that. But even that, we both of us noticed how jarring it was to listen to commercials again. And at home in Montana, we would watch a little bit of news every night and we'd watch 
usually a murder mystery of some sort from the BBC. So we weren't huge TV watchers, but even that a little amount of, let's just say, negativity really did affect me. And I am so happy to be free of television. That does not mean that I have spent more time reading. I wish I had. But since we've left, we've been with friends and family that we haven't seen in years. And we've used every minute really to catch up with them or to rest or to do laundry or to make meals together or to go for a long walk. So I am planning to pull out some books this week and really dive back into getting some reading done. And I did bring some Portuguese history books along that I haven't had a chance to dive into yet. So I'll be giving some reviews of those and also starting to learn the language. Okay, so I I digressed. Let's go back to visas. So uh, we needed reference letters. We needed a personal statement. We needed a lease. We needed money in the bank. We need, um, they need to know that my form of income is secure. So I work for American companies and I'll be sharing contracts with them that I have. And essentially they just want to make sure that we are not a drain on the Portuguese economy when we get there, which is fair. Totally understand that. And then once we get there, I'll be setting up a business in Portugal for my freelance income so that we qualify for residency status and um, we can get health insurance. And although the, the health insurance is not tied to having a business there, I mean, if you're retired and you move there, you still qualify for health insurance. And there's a public form of health insurance and there's a private form of health insurance. And my understanding is you get great care kind of no matter what, but some people really want the private health insurance, I think, because they get access to greater appointment availability and maybe different doctors or something. I haven't researched it all yet. So oh, before we leave, that's another requirement of the visa is that we have temporary health insurance in place for the first three to four months while we wait for that second appointment to occur. And so we will be getting that as soon as we can. And of course, we have to go through an appointment and we're going through the Boston consulate instead of the California consulate because we will be moving our residents to New England, um, staying with Doug's family there. And that qualifies us to get appointments in Boston, which is a great thing because the California office that processes visa applications has is low on staff and has a huge number of states that is under its purview. So the way that it works is wherever you reside, you have a certain consulate that you'll need to go to. So you can't pick and choose which consulate you want. It is based on your residence. And that is based on, oh yeah, that's the other thing that we needed is FBI an FBI background check, which we completed. And those forms get sent to your permanent residence. And that is also forms that they check when you're at the consulate to make sure that, that, that you're at the right consulate so that it's mailed to the right place. And they want them unopened. So just for anyone listening, if you end up doing your FBI background checks, do not open your background checks that they send you in the mail. They'll send them to you via email as well, but don't open the ones that they send to you in the mail because you need to bring those with you as proof that they are real, that you don't have a criminal background record to the consulate. So 
I've already read our PDFs and we're clear, which I knew we would be, but um, they haven't read those. And I think it just prevents fraud or something like that. So we will bring all of that paperwork with us to the Boston consulate when our appointment is booked and Relocate to Portugal is booking that appointment for us. And right now, Boston has quite a bit of availability left, which is great. So back to the pets. So like I said, we have a 14-year-old dog, Loki. He's a senior dog and he's in good health other than some arthritis. And the vet said just because of his age, she is worried about how he would do on the plane. That it's kind of back and forth. Now, what I've read about plane rides and most animals is that 99% of animals do just fine on planes. It is, they, they usually fly with their owners in the bulkhead. Now we were planning to fly with him on Lufthansa, which is one of the airlines that has availability for pets when you go abroad. And you can usually find from the East coast, at least once no stop flights. So we could get a flight from the East Coast, and I can't remember which airports I was looking at exactly, but definitely for Montreal and I think from Boston as well. We could get a non stop flight to Lisbon that would be about six hours long. So that's not bad. I mean, it's not great for any animal. They're going to have to check in a couple hours early. I do know lots of people who've moved from the U.S. to Portugal who've taken their dogs and flown from the West Coast or from Chicago. And they usually have to have a stopover in Frankfurt where there is a pet rest area and the pets get a break and then they get back on the plane and go to Lisbon. And so far, what I've heard is that those animals have adjusted just fine. So a lot of people have asked me about Loki. People love him so much. He is a wonderful dog. He's a big black lab, 65 pounds, all love and just, you know, older and wiser. <laughs> so, but anyway, when the vet said, you know, I'm not sure about the flight for him, I decided to look into other options, which I'd already started looking into. I did a, a blog post about this last fall, which is about a ship called the Queen Mary, which is a cruise ship run by Cunard, and they offer kennels and they offer basically a trip across the pond, so to speak, for, for dogs and cats that is not in an airplane. Now you could charter a flight and you could do other more expensive flight options than just having them go as cargo um, on you or with you on your flight. Uh, that is definitely out of the ballpark for us. It's something like $30,000 a person. Last time I looked at it, I did look at having a pet relocation service help us and they quoted us $8,000 for both animals from leaving from Montana and arriving in Portugal. So that would include their airfare. But I thought even that wasn't great. And the feedback that I've heard from people who've used pet relocation services is that they actually haven't really enjoyed the experience that much. And the feedback that I've heard from people who've been with their animal up until they put them on the plane and were there when they got off of the plane has been much better. So I'm kind of going with that. Anyway, back to the Queen Mary. So if you Google Queen Mary, it is a cruise line that leaves from New York. It goes to Southampton, England. 
Now, there are specific requirements that your animals have to meet so that they will not be quarantined when they get there. Loki will meet all of those. He'll have a vet exam five days before. He'll get a health certificate. He'll get a health passport. And he'll get treated for tapeworm, which is one of the big things that they want you to do in order to avoid quarantine. So he'll have rabies shots. He's already had his rabies shot. He's already microchipped. He's got all of that stuff done. They even did a full blood workup and x-rays and all of that just to make sure he was in really good health before we even left Montana. So five days before you, you get onto the cruise line, he'll have that. Now, I think when we adopted him, he was a service animal already. I have an ADA-approved disability for a service dog, and what I would like to do is get him in training between now and when we get on that ship and make sure that he is trained for my disability so that he can legally come with me into the cabin. Now, a lot of people are familiar with emotional support dogs and taking them uh, on different places, but this particular cruise line only accepts service dogs, which I gather are typically for mobility issues or... um, you know, if you're if you're blind or you need a, a dog to help you get around, the, more of a working dog style versus emotional support. I think most of you know the difference. What Loki would be doing for me is um, I have a life-threatening allergy um, to foods and um, several of them, <laughs> as well as celiac. So I want to get him into training for doing some of that work. I know he's older. I get it. It's going to be a challenge, but we're going to see. And if he can't finish that training or, you know, if if we feel like he legitimately can't help us, help me with that, he is going to be on the wait list for the kennels either in December or their cruise in January. So it's going to be a little bit before we actually get to Portugal. I'm just warning you that this is taking a while. And everything that I know about Portugal is that it teaches you patience. It teaches you how to wait for things and to go through all the steps. And so I'm, I'm not really impatient about it. Of course, we would love to be in Portugal, but this is a really special time for us because we're actually able to visit family in ways that we haven't for the last four plus years. So in traveling here and back east, we're going to see lots of friends and family that we just don't get to see very often. And I'm super excited about that. And I really don't want to rush that. So there's no rushing things. There's no, oh, I have to get to Portugal in order to be happy. It's not that at all. It's we're going to take this one step at a time. We're going to enjoy all pieces of the journey. And I, I'm actually really looking forward to that cruise. I don't know that Doug's going to go with me. I'm trying to convince him, but he gets terrible motion sickness and can't imagine anything worse than being sick for seven or eight days on a cruise line. (laughs) So I said to him, how about I get there, I get to Portugal, and then you fly over and basically we pick you up at the airport. So I think he's going to arrive a little bit after me via plane and that will work out just fine. And if you're at all interested in traveling with me on this cruise ship, I'm taking names. Um, it will be really fun. I think they have ballet. It'll be, if we go in the December one, it's seven days and there's great food and there's ballet and there's 
I think a planetarium or something. I really didn't look into it that much because I'm not going for the entertainment, but hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the ocean. I think it's really interesting to go across the ocean after my ancestors went the other way to immigrate to the U.S. So I feel like that's in some ways a really important part of the journey and makes it much more exciting and interesting. And you're probably hearing a plane fly above me right now since I'm outside. That's about been the loudest thing that I've heard thus far. So once we get to Southampton, England, then we will either arrange for pet relocation services like a pet taxi to take him to Portugal, or he and I will drive. Like if a pet relocation service takes him, then I would fly and I would meet him at our location. Or I'll drive somehow and we'll go through the channel. We'll go through France and Spain and then get to Portugal, which will be a very fun adventure. I have often likened everything that we've been going through, and I know it's not the same, but it's a fun metaphor for me, which is to climb Mount Everest. Now, Doug and I have done a lot of mountain climbing over our lifetimes together. We've, uh, we love the outdoors. We've hiked a lot. And both of us understand what it means to just put one foot in front of the other. And it's a metaphor that both of us can understand. And so every time anything was getting a little frustrating or I was worried about the future, I would just turn to him and say, one step at a time, one step at a time, which meant like at, at that moment, I think that was when we were painting the side trim of our shed to make sure that it passed inspection. And that was the next step. I'm not going to worry about 10 steps ahead of us. Granted, things are complex in this whole thing, and it does take a lot of planning ahead, and you do need to start thinking about things that do take six weeks or longer to put together. In fact, finding housing has been longer than even I expected. Uh, we're on number 55, I think, of the houses we have are working with our realtor team with Re Relocate to Portugal on. So what happens with that? I'll just go into that since we're there. What happens with the housing is there's a couple of websites. Uh, one is called idealista.pt and one is Supercasa. And then there's another one that I don't look at all that often. I mostly look at Idealista. And the way you look at it, you can't search the whole country at once. You have to put in different districts. So I usually go through district by district, the one, the districts that I'm really interested in living in. And then find rentals that look like a good fit for us. And then we put them on a spreadsheet. We put our comments in. And then our real estate team reaches out to the, either the landlord or the real estate company that is representing the rental. And sees if, A, they'll allow pets because of our dog and our cat. And if uh, they will be if they will qualify for our visa requirements. So we have to have at least a minimum of a year lease. And not all rentals, just like in the U.S., will rent to you for a year. So sometimes they put that on the advertisement and sometimes they don't. And so you have to reach out and ask. And then sometimes they ask for a video because they don't have a video there. And so then I'll look at the video. And then the next step is usually a virtual tour with the realtor or landlord of the home, which I've done three times now which has been super interesting. And then we decide whether we're going to put in an offer. So it's different than in the U.S. 
It's almost like buying something where you put in an offer. It's a negotiated process. And given that I'm not fluent in Portuguese and given that our team is fluent and they understand the whole process, they basically take over once we have decided to put in an offer. And we can offer whatever we want, just like when you buy a house and people will turn it down or they'll say yes and we'll continue negotiating. Some of the points of negotiation could be the term of the lease, whether it's furnished or unfurnished, um, whether there are utilities included, whether there are certain appliances included, and the, the length of the lease might affect the price as well. Of course, our pets, that sort of thing. Now, we are planning to have, I hope we're going to get to have a video interview with the landlord tomorrow, no, Thursday. And this one's a funny one. This one is in the middle of a national park in Portugal, in northern Portugal, which, funny enough, Doug and I have always lived together within at least, at minimum, or at maximum, an hour's drive of a national park. Never really planned that, but that's how it worked. We lived near Yellowstone together. We, we met near Mesa Verde National Park, which is where I'm at now, or near where I'm at right now. Uh, we lived in Yosemite together. And of course, we lived near Glacier National Park uh, for the last seven years. So it would be interesting if we're in a national park in Portugal together and kind of par for the course. It would give us a lot of hiking opportunities, but also probably limit us in terms of public transportation and buying a car and all of that, which I haven't gotten into yet. I might say that for another podcast because it could get really long. So anyway, this one that we're looking at is in the middle of a national park, and it has a dog that comes with a property called a Castro Laborero dog. I'm probably not saying that correctly. Someone will will correct me at some point, but it's a Portuguese dog. It's a Portuguese guard dog, a livestock guardian dog. And it looks, the pictures that I've seen of it on Wikipedia it's so funny. It looks just like our dog. Uh, Loki is a big black lab, a cross of some sort. I think he's mostly lab. He might be border collie, but he's a big dog. He's 60, 65 pounds. Um, probably at his biggest, he was over 75, I'm guessing. And this dog that comes with the property will be fed by the landowner, but it sounds like he'll be outside and kind of a guard dog there which would be cool. Interesting in and of itself. Hopefully Loki and him would get along and we shall see. We've got three properties at the moment that we are almost ready to make an offer on. Uh, One of the properties, the one that I like the most is uh, about 30 miles outside or 30 minutes outside of Lisbon. And it looks like a giant castle. I don't think it's really that large. It's part, The property is divided into two different rentals, so we wouldn't have the whole thing. But whenever I show it to people, they're like, wow, look at all that space. I think it'll probably be somewhere around 2,000 square feet. But what I'm really interested in, and of course this makes sense as well, because if you've seen any pictures of where we lived in Montana, we had this beautiful garden and beautiful landscaped area. It was almost like we had a, ha- a small house with a park attached. And we love gardens. We love the outside. We love nature. 
that has been established. And this place that is near Lisbon has gorgeous terraced gardens. It has a pool that is not right there. Like you walk around parts of the property to get to it. I walked with a landlord when he was doing the virtual tour. <clears throat> it was gorgeous. So the inside is really neat. It almost reminds me of a Southwest, Southwestern style house and in the United States. And it's got really pretty views. It's sort of, it's in the trees. So it appeals to me. Plus it would be close to friends that we've now made in Lisbon and I'm kind of, I kind of feel attached to. I would love to go see them more regularly. If we live in the North, we don't have nearly as many contacts. So there's that one. That's probably my favorite. And then there's another one that's near Porto that I toured virtually that is really nice. And, but there's, it's probably my third favorite and uh, I'm waiting to put an offer on it because I'm waiting to see what happens with these other two. Both I've got a tour and then I'm waiting on the one that I re we really like on whether it will actually qualify for our visa requirements. The landowner, the landlord needs to chat with his accountant and he has to make some repairs on the property. So that one won't be available until no till November anyway. One of the things that is very challenging about finding housing, not only because you're doing it from afar, is because you have to have it in place, a lease agreement in place, when you have your, your visa consulate appointment and you don't get approved for your visa for potentially up to two, maybe even three months, which means you're paying on a property while you're not there, most likely, because most likely places that are available, they want to get people in and get it rented right away, just like they do in the U.S. So in, in this case, if the repairs he's saying won't be done until November, that would be kind of great if even if it was backed up into December, because our consulate appointment wouldn't be until mid-month, likely this month. And then that would give us some time to get there and we really wouldn't be paying on the place until it was ready. So can you tell how much, there's so many logistics that go into this. I used to call it, it was like doing a Rubik's cube with one hand tied behind your back and yeah, you couldn't see it. All you're doing is just sort of fumbling around, <laughs> trying to figure out whether you were getting things in the right place. It's a little easier than that. I'd say that would probably take me longer than 15 months to accomplish, but it does sometimes feel like, wow, a lot of pieces have to fit together. And they, you know, there's, there's people, people's lives involved, my pet's lives involved, and it just, you know, it's messy and complicated. And sometimes I feel like just, we're just in a sort of magical process and I got to trust the process and not worry so much about trying to line everything up, which is probably the life lesson in all of this. All right. So you've listened to me <laughs> for oh, at least over a half hour ramble on about this. I will say that for those of you who don't know, or I'll remind you that, you know, we sold all of our stuff. We brought quite, a, we brought some stuff with us to give back or give away to family members who mean a lot to us and friends. And that has been really gratifying and fun. And I will say that I just feel a lot lighter not owning so much stuff. And I'm really excited about this next chapter of life that I guess instead of caretaking of things, 
it will be a caretaking of experiences, I hope. And obviously, we all need shelter and we all need food. And technically, we're homeless right now, but it certainly doesn't feel that way. And I am just very grateful. I mostly just feel a lot of gratitude, very happy. Obviously, I miss people back in Montana. And I'm having a lot of fun reuniting with people that we haven't seen. And I'm trying really hard to carve out times to focus on work and writing and to make sure that all of the logistics and stuff are being taken care of. And I really appreciate everybody's support. It's been so wonderful to have so many people reach out and say such kind and warm and wonderful things to us. You know, I've had a few people say I'm jealous, but not in a not in a mean way. And I find that really amazing as well, that people are truly happy for us and wish us well. And, oh, I probably have only gotten a very, very little bit of, are you crazy sort of response. And, and really not even much of that. It's more been more of a curiosity. So I guess if you're considering this, give people a chance. I think people will be excited for you and when you show people that you're really going after the things that you want or that you dream of or you feel like is part of your, for lack of a better word, destiny, um, let's say you, you, know, you really wanted to climb Mount Everest and you told people about it. Yeah, sure. Some people are going to doubt that you can do it. And they would have good reasons to doubt that. Anyone climbing Mount Everest, it's a, it's a big task. However, why not try? why not try? Even if you only end up at Mount Everest base camp, at least you got to base camp. And that's how I feel too. I don't know where this is going to entirely lead us. I have no assurance that we will for sure get our visas. I think we have uh, pretty much all the requirements in order. There's no guarantees in life. And yeah, we have some plan Bs and plan Cs. And if you talk to my realtor, you'll know that I had a a lot of plan Bs. I'm totally ready to pull a plan B if needed. (laughs) She had to talk me off of the edge a few times of plan Bs. So I am a plan B person and I am more of a worrier than I probably should be. But I am realizing that it is a great thing to just go do the thing that you really want to do and let the chips fall where they may. Let, Let it let it all unfold and enjoy every second of it. So I'm not that worried about everything working out. I'm, you know, I really want the best for my pets and the best for Doug, obviously, and the best for everyone involved. And so that is probably the biggest thing on my mind. But I truly am enjoying this day, the sun, the blue sky, the big puffy clouds, the views of the mountains with the snow, the smell of junipers and pines and the beautiful rocks in the desert, being out in the countryside, enjoying good food and good company and good people. It's all been worth it. And I believe that it's going to continue to be worth it. So with that said, I just encourage all of you who are listening to go pursue the things that seem may seem a little silly, Some people may doubt you, but you really want to do them. Go do them. 
So if you've enjoyed this, uh, go get some newsletter sign up on Sundays. I typically send out a weekly newsletter that's free. You can get that at janelleholden.substack.com. If you want some paid perks, what I'm starting to do is a behind the scenes newsletter and video that will come out on Thursdays. So in this newsletter, I'm going to be talking, giving people access to the language lessons, getting them started with some of that if they want to. There's lots of people who are supporting me who don't want language lessons. So I'm also sharing with them um, some beautiful video, I hope, of I hope they'll love it of where we're at. I'm going to go fly the drone here in a little while and take some pretty pictures of the mountains and share some wildlife and foliage and different things that we've been doing via video. So I'm trying to offer the experience of traveling with us in different mediums. And I know that some people love podcasts. That's all they really have time for. You know, they're busy with their hands all day and podcasts make sense. And other people really want to see and watch video, and other people really want to read. So I'm trying to offer that to all of them. And it does take time, and it does take expertise. And so if you are so inclined, please support my work by becoming a paid subscriber over at Substack. It's either you know a cup of coffee a month, or if you want to do it for the year, it's $45. I have so appreciated everyone who has um, either become a free or paid subscriber, and I hope to see you over there you can comment on my post. You can comment on this uh, podcast. And I have recommended some excellent, excellent Substack writers. I've interviewed them. If you, Not just me who've done this journey. So if you really are interested in this, go also look at my recommendations. There's some incredible writers and journalists and bloggers and authors who are doing a very similar thing and we all have different takes and we all have different things that we share and I enjoy them. I need to catch up on them actually because like I said I haven't had a whole lot of time for reading but they become really good friends and I feel like Substack is such a special special place. I hope it stays that way. So if you are kind of tired of social media go check out writers on Substack. It's going to be a breath of fresh air for you. And if you came here from Facebook, I got to say, I got to give thanks to Facebook and all the people who saw our posts that we were moving and who came here to see more about what we were doing. I really appreciate you as well and just the, the world that we live in. So I will go. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back soon, hopefully with another interview. I really enjoy doing them. And if you have any recommendations or people you'd like me to interview, let me know. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you back here very soon.